should be saved. That's God's desire. And that in God's desire that you and I are called to have a little tiny part. Problem is what? We got a lot of Jonah's amongst us. And I'm one of them that just as Jonah was called to share the good news that you and I are called to do exactly the same, but, but, but Jonah, what he disregarded, he disobeyed. He went through some tough times. We've learned about that, but thankfully, finally he surrendered. Finally, he prayed out from the belly of the fish. And we saw that he trusted God and he submitted to God. And my prayer is that you and I this morning trust God and submit to God as well. I want to go right to the text, um, follow along as I read. Hopefully you have your Bibles. When you hear Big Woods Bible Church, good reminder, today I need to bring my Bible with me. So hopefully you have that, and that today is not the only day that you open up your Bible. Hopefully you read that every single day. Jonah chapter 3 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God and they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he removed his robe and he covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them. And he did not do it. The word of the Lord. I love this text. I love this text because All over this text, we see grace. It is written all over the place. Grace is shouted loud. The speakers are booming on the subject of grace. It's spray painted in large letters on the wall. Lights are flashing. You cannot miss the subject of God's grace. Three things that we see. The first one, we see that God shows grace To Jonah. Number one, God shows grace to Jonah. Listen to this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. It's been a couple weeks as we concluded the last time that we were here. We had we had seen that Jonah had been vomited up on the beach. Every single translation uses the same Hebrew word for vomit. It's pronounced kind of like this. 
the word vomited. He was vomited up on the beach. Not an impressive entrance to the mission field. Can, can you imagine some of the conversation surrounding Jonah as he is en route to Nineveh? You know, I have found that missionaries are often very, very frugal, and they are very proud of their travel plans and deals. Just last night, I was speaking with a missionary to, to India, and, and missionaries always talking about the great deal. Like, I got an amazing, amazing return flight. You wouldn't believe what I paid. Can you imagine like some of the, the discussions asking Jonah about the deal that he got for this particular trip? Yeah, how'd you do, Jonah? Got a whale of a deal, I did. I was, I was just kind of just floating around and got picked up on the way. You can just imagine the conversations. He was vomited up on a beach. We don't know what beach it was. Most likely eastern portion of the Mediterranean Sea. But if you look at a map, we know that, that Nineveh is present-day Mosul, Iraq. Closest beach anywhere, you're looking at approximately a 400-mile hike in addition to the little fish ride that he took. Plenty of time as he is hiking or he is making his way to Nineveh to kind of just perhaps pray and reflect over what God has been doing in his life. Perhaps as well, I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing he's reviewing the notes of the message that he's going to preach. Forty days, Nineveh, you're dead. Sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? Um, In 40 days, you will be destroyed, Nineveh. Like, there's really no polite, pretty way to say that. One message. Got it. We know that Jonah was probably, his skin was probably bleached. It had been burned white. All of his hair had probably been been burned off, so he's, he's bald. His clothes, if anything, were shredded or, 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 or in tatters. He probably stunk. He's got this long, long hike to his place of assignment. And yet what's interesting is that it doesn't seem like he's complaining at all. Like you don't hear about that. Why? Why isn't Jonah complaining? Why is there no record? I can't believe I've got to go to this place. Why is there no complaining? Why? Because Jonah was given a second chance. Second chance. You know what a makeup test is? This is not a makeup test, okay? A makeup test is what? By, by the kindness of a professor, you missed your exam because of circumstances that are out of your control. You get an opportunity to write it again. Guess what? These circumstances weren't outside of Jonah's control. He's responsible for his actions. You know what this is more, you know what it's more like? You know when you were kids and you were playing stickball in the backyard or wiffle ball? Okay, and somebody pitches you the ball, strike one, miss, strike two, strike three. Generally, what the rule is, you're out. Go sit down. Isn't this a fun game? But then what happens? Once in a while, once in a while, somebody says, no, 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 you stay up there. I'm going to give you one more pitch. I'm going to give you one more shot. What, 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 what do you call that? What do you call when you are given another chance? There's really one word for it. It's the Greek word charis. It's the word grace. Literally, it translates unmerited, undeserved, un. Unmerited, un- 
earned favor and kindness, getting what we simply do not deserve. That's grace. It's all over this text. If God is what the author of grace, if he is the the giver of grace, grace is getting something directly from God. You cannot get a better source than that. And you know that Jonah was given very specific instruction. Go to Nineveh, call out against their wickedness and evilness. And he what? He completely disregarded it. Completely disobeyed openly and blatantly. God sent a storm upon this sea and it what? It rocked the ship and it, and it shook him and it almost blew him away. But God spared his life. God sent a great big fish to swallow him up, no doubt scaring him to death. But God spared his life. Jonah deserved punishment. Jonah deserved death. He came pretty close to it. I don't think you can get any closer to that. But God spared his life. It's grace. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. There's a message here for you and I. No doubt an overarching theme of God desires it all. But all that are wicked, all that are lost come, and we have a part of that. But there's something here for you and I this morning. And you know what the, the message is? It may be a little message, but it's an important one. Be thankful that God is a God of second chances. Amen. Amen. And praise him for second chances. Ever, ever, ever like blow it before? You ever been given very clear, very specific instruction? God gave to us his word. God gave to us his spirit. God gave to us his body, one another. And he gave to us very, very specific instructions. I want you to be holy, set apart from the filth of the world. And you blew it. You just, you just, you just, you just like swam in it. You just wallowed in it. God gave you clear instructions. I want you to be a witness. I want you to ask people, do you know Jesus? And you what? Got afraid and and you blew it all all over. God said, I want you to go and make disciples. God said, I want you to, to go. I want you to leave the comfort of this home. I want you to give. I want you to serve. I want you to love. I want you to forgive people who have hurt you and harmed you in some way. And you chose to directly disobey, disregard his word entirely. Now, I I don't want to be too dramatic here, but I want to be truthful. Guess what you and I deserve when we directly disobey God? I believe Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin are, yeah, death. Well, Well, we know that if we disobey immediately, there is to be punishment. Well, in all honesty, apart from God's grace, we all deserve death as a result of our own disobedience. We can't, we can't miss the fact that we live today in an age of grace. It is all over the place. Which means what? Every single day you thank the Lord, God, thank you for one more day. Thank you for giving me the ability to to see, to walk, to talk. Thank you, God, for allowing 
breath to fill my lungs one more day. I don't deserve any of that. Ever, ever spend any time in the Old Testament? When you spend some time in the Old Testament, you get a little bit of a better understanding of the grace that we enjoy today. Because life, I don't know if you picked up it or not, but God gave law, okay, his law, specifically designed to something that is too high, too hard for you to hit. It's impossible. Therefore, what? We need to have someone who pays for that, that payment of our sin once and for all. Spend a little time in the Old Testament and you get a real good understanding of the grace that you and I enjoy today. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 17, if there is found among you a man or a woman, if there's anyone among you, man or a woman, that does evil in the sight of the Lord your God, transgressing your covenant, has gone and served other gods and worshiped them, then what? You shall bring them out to your gates and you shall stone that man or that woman to death with stones. So, so what? The sin of idolatry, putting anything or anyone in place of a holy God. Guess what, guess what that person deserved? They literally, they would take them outside the gates and they would throw rocks at their head till they died. They stoned them to death. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 21, if man has a stubborn and a rebellious son who, who does not obey the voice of his father or mother, though they discipline him, he will not listen to them. Take hold of him, take him to the elders, then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So they purge the land with evil and people will fear God. Oh my goodness, every single one of us would be dead. It's what we deserve. Leviticus chapter 20 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Leviticus chapter 24 verse 16, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. Can you imagine what the church bulletin was like? Okay, Wednesday night, don't forget youth group, um, Friday morning prayer, okay? Soon as the Sabbath ends, we're going to stone. We're going to have a stoning at church. We'll provide the brocks. You just come. Think about it. It, it, this, This is not that foreign. Blasphemy, you're dead. Idolatry, you're dead. Adultery, you're dead. As a man thinks in his heart, it says if, if you are angry with your brother, the same as murder. We, we deserve to be dead apart from God's grace. If man looks and lusts at a woman, it is the same as if he commits adultery, then, then, then we deserve to be stoned to death apart from God's grace. It is all over this. Now we know that, thankfully, we do not live under the law, thankfully, but Jesus Christ paid that once and for all time payment for our sin, that we breathe every day the fresh air of grace. Now we know that what? There's still an enemy out there there's still an enemy that knows and watches and listens. And when you blow it, that enemy still whispers and says, how dare you? Who do you think you are? And you call yourself a Christian. 
And the enemy whispers lie after lie. It says, you, you did that. You thought that. You went there. You said that. You are worthless and you are useless. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. Part from the grace of God, every single one of us deserve. When we have a sovereign God of grace, we know that there is hope for us. No doubt the big idea to this text carries with it that, that we are called to obey, to be part of God's plan to save everyone, even though we may blow it at times. But we understand that, that, that God has, as he shows grace to Jonah in amazing ways, he also shows grace to us. You have to write these down quickly. But we see, God, what, we see God's grace to Jonah in three ways. Number one, by sustaining his life, by just giving him life. He ought to be dead. By just giving him life, it's grace. God, God shows grace to Jonah by giving him an opportunity to learn. Learn the importance of obedience. Learn the importance, Jonah. When I say something the first time, I mean it. I'm going to extend grace so you get this lesson. God shows Jonah to grace a third way by, by showing Jonah that he has a love for all people. All people. Even those from Nineveh, that wicked city. God has a care and a concern. Because we, and this is what Jonah is learning, because we are recipients, as Jonah is a recipient of God's grace, we are recipients of God's grace. We are to what? First Peter says like this in chapter 4, that we are to be good stewards of God's varied grace. Because we have received grace, we extend and offer grace. Because we have received God's grace. Okay, don't, don't, don't pick up the rocks to throw. You, you extend grace. Grace to others. That's what Jonah's learned. That's what we need to learn. God shows grace to Jonah. Number two, God also shows grace to Nineveh. And there's no doubt, no doubt, main idea here that God desires all people to be saved everywhere. They need to be saved. That, that we are to love those who are most unlovable because of the horrid acts that they have committed. We also learn that we, just like Jonah, have a part, even if it's a little part, to fulfill God's perfect plan. Yeah, but, but, but what about Nineveh? Like, really, these people are like beyond wicked. The capital of the Assyrian Empire, they are, they are godless. They are anti-God in every way. They are violent. They are ruthless idolaters. Many of us would jump on the bandwagon to say those people are beyond forgiveness. What they have done, I mean, they're sacrificing children. Like what they have done, that's beyond forgiveness. No, 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 no one, praise God, is beyond the reach of God's grace. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. There isn't a prison cell filled with any person in the entire face of the world that is beyond the grasp of God's grace. Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. What happens here? This, this city of debauchery, this wicked 
city recognizes their wicked sinfulness. What does it say in verse 10? How does this whole thing close? It concludes with what? And they turned from their evil way. Wait a minute. Yeah, but these aren't just like bad guys. These are like really, really, really bad guys. No, these really bad guys recognize their own sinfulness and they recognize that they deserve to die in 40 days. And yet they repented. As a result of them repenting, it says that God relented of the disaster and he did not do it. As we see this morning, God's God's grace that is shown to Nineveh teaches us about what? It teaches us about God himself. It teaches us that there's, there's no one that is too far gone. The amazing work that God can do to bring change and transformation into lives of anyone and everyone. I said that we're going to unpack this over the next couple weeks. What, what we're going to do is look at what I refer to as the DNA of a revival. We're going to look specifically at what Nineveh did and how we can learn from it today because there is a revival that is desperately needed in our country and in our own community. We'll unpack that over the next couple weeks, but right now we see what? Something bigger at stake. So, something, something right before us. We don't have the time to turn to it, but I want you to, um, and I'll read it in a minute, I want you to go uh, with me to the Gospel of Matthew and, and in chapter 12, and very quickly we have Jesus in the very middle of his earthly ministry here on earth. He's, he's already called his disciples. He's, he's gone from city to city, from town to town, to synagogues, to marketplaces, to the countryside. He's been preaching and he's been teaching the good news. By the time we get to, to chapter 12, Jesus has already healed a man with a withered hand. He's cast out demons and he has caused quite a stir. We know wherever Jesus went, there were cynics and critics, the, the, the Jewish scribes and Pharisees that were following him around and they were questioning Jesus. And what they basically said that if, if you are who you claim you are, if you, you are the real deal, And they said, prove it to us. Give us a sign. That's what they wanted. Wait a minute. Jesus is no one's puppet. Jesus dances for no one. Jesus is God. Jesus is sovereign over all. And rather than what? Giving them a sign, Jesus says this from Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38. No sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Nineveh will rise up at judgment and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Jesus says this, for behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is not going to give them a sign. Why? He said, because I already gave you a sign. And he points them back to a point in history. And you have to realize everybody knew the story of Jonah. Everybody heard about this guy. About him running the opposite direction and, and, and boarding a ship. And they had heard about the storm. And they heard about him being tossed overboard. And they had heard about the great fish and him being vomited up on dry land. And, and they'd heard and they'd known about the story of Nineveh about, Nineveh, about how they repented. 
And, and, and Jesus says what? Just as they repented from the message of Jonah, he says basically, how much, how much more should you repent? Because guess who's standing in front of you? Offering a message of grace. Well, sadly, we know as the Gospel of Matthew continues on, it describes scribes and Pharisees reject it. They stopped their ears to the truth. They refused to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. And we read what, by the time you get to Matthew chapter 26, it says they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. And guess what? That is exactly what they did. But do you realize this, that, that even as that diabolical plan was being carried out, even as the Roman soldiers were doing the dirty work for the scribes and the Pharisees, as Roman soldiers were literally nailing spikes through the hands and through the feet of Jesus, that Jesus Christ himself says what? As he cries out and as he prays, Father, forgive them. Forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. Even in that moment, grace is still extended. God shows grace to Jonah. It's all over the place. God shows grace to Nineveh. And thirdly and finally, God shows grace to us. To us, to you and I. This is when we take the word of God, the mirror of God's word, and we hold it up in front and we see ourselves in this story. We're we're really not that different. We can be just like Jonah, disobedient. All of us have been. We're really not that different. We can can be just like Nineveh, wicked, wicked. You know that words matter to me. I I spend a lot of time and and I align and craft words. I was studying this week and I was looking at that one particular word, wicked, as far as the description has been given of this city, Nineveh. And I was looking at, looking at synonyms, words that, that mean the same thing but say it a different way. And, and guess what? Guess every single word that came up today, today's understanding of the word wicked, guess what it can be replaced by? Let, let me give you the list that came up. The word wicked can be replaced with good, great, fabulous, cool, fab, Fantastic. Any one of those supposedly in our world today, oh, that was a fab. That was a wicked concert we were at last night. It means the same thing according to today's understanding. Isn't that interesting? Oh, that was a wicked pizza. That was a wicked party. And, and I thought about it. I thought, wait a minute. The word wicked, people are losing in understanding. They don't want to know what the meaning of wicked really is let's let's just forget that and let's replace it with something let's ignore let's forget about what true wickedness is people we can't wickedness is real jeremiah actually describes it like this the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked you you don't read and the heart is like desperately fat man you don't read that you, you can't switch that word around. There's something that's wicked and it abides and exists in here. The blackness, the darkness of my own heart. I'm capable of all of that. 
But thankfully, thankfully, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, cleans us from all sin, from all wickedness. Although that, what, inside each one of us, we know that there is a darkness, that God still cleans it through the blood of Jesus. There's one thing I want you to hold on to, one thing I want you to take with you. Write it down. Remember this. If we remember nothing else today, remember this. God shows grace to us by washing our wicked sinfulness away through the shed blood of Jesus. Remember that. What'd you learn today? What'd you learn today in church? We learned one thing, that God shows grace to us by washing our wicked sinfulness away through the blood of Jesus. Today we have seen that what that that Jonah recognized his own sin and repented. We 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 saw that Nineveh recognized their own sin and repented. And what and grace was extended today, this morning, this moment. You and I allow the Holy Spirit to look deep within our hearts and reveal to us what needs what to be recognized. Yeah, but we just we just don't want to go there. No, no, we have to examine what the Holy Spirit is revealing. We have to recognize what exists in our heart and repent from it, turn from it, and enjoy and delight in the message that is all over this text, the message of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, and by grace, by grace, you have been saved. Father, we thank you for your patience with us. We thank you, Lord, for this reminder from Scripture that when we recognize and repent, that grace is extended. I thank you, Lord, that we don't live under the law, but we live, Lord, knowing that Jesus Christ has paid that once and for all time payment for our sin that we, Lord, can be forgiven, made whole, and used in amazing ways, used for your glory and for the furthering of the gospel. Father, give us the ability to do that and do that well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us, please, as we close.